You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. Welcome again to another episode of Time to Revive. My name is Mark Bird. I'll be the host today on the program. And we are continuing with our series that we started quite some time ago now about this lifestyle evangelism. And, you know, what it looks like is not just evangelism that is one of those scary words that, oh my goodness, but we're actually talking about how do you live it as a lifestyle? How do you live evangelism as a lifestyle? I don't know that Jesus gave us the Great Commission. I don't know that he had an on and off switch. But joining me on the program today, without further ado, is my new good friend, Pastor Marty Dennis from Springfield, Ohio. Marty, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. Today, as we are accustomed to, we're just going to have a discussion now. As you could imagine, I've shared this uh, very frequently, but I pray actually before each episode, and I ask the Lord, who can I have on to discuss this particular topic at hand? And today, as we continue to unpack this uh, lifestyle evangelism piece, we're going to look at a couple of things that would hinder us or actually would become obstacles to our course. You know, you guys have heard of an obstacle course, but what kind of obstacles does the enemy put in our pathway to stop us from everyday evangelism? And Marty, we've been talking about this thing called silos. And what in the world is a silo? It's one of them things where everybody hits their concordance. They're like, I didn't know silo was in the Bible. <laughs> and maybe that word isn't, but man, it is a real thing, isn't it, Marty? Yes, it is. It is. It seems like everybody has some type of belief system or a silo that they live in that's different than others. And many, many times, I believe, even in churches, we fail to come together because we might have some little hair splitter belief difference. And so I believe people are siloed by spiritually. I believe people are siloed socially within our, our world. And there's a lot of fears of mixing and mingling with people that might think differently than us. And there's, there's lots of people, even in our own communities, Marty, where that might fit. And, and if you just simply describe a silo, you know, you drive around the area where we live in here in rural Ohio, and it's like there's silos everywhere. And what they have <laughs> around them are walls. Every mm -hmm. silo has walls surrounding them. And so, you know, this is what happens, Marty, when we perceive something slightly different. You know, I don't know whether the hairs on the back of our neck stand up or what happens, but the next thing you know, we're separated from other Christians, other believers. Yes. Have you experienced that, Marty, in your own? Oh, absolutely. I, I experience it as a pastor a lot with other pastors. Some are hesitant to, to do things together because they might think that that means they need to change their belief system or make adjustments in that way. And maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't, but... I watch that and I see that with different churches and pastors, and they become very guarded. And 
I believe instead of looking at things that make us different, I think we need to look at things that we can celebrate together, especially within the life of God's church. It's not even ours to, to silo. And I think there's enough things that we can do that we have in common that we can come together and be unified. You know, Marty, I love that for a couple of different reasons, because first of all, it's true, right? That's the number one reason I love it, because we need to talk about it. And number two, I think it really keeps us apart. And, you know, it's interesting as we are currently right now making this recording, we're in the Christmas season. And I think about several of the songs and stuff talk about the shepherds, plural. And I'm like, well, hey, you know what? The shepherds in the Bible got along, <laughs> at least for coming and seeing the Messiah, coming and seeing yes. the King, right? And yeah. God spoke to him and met him. And I think about that too. And I go, well, come on, let's let's come together and let's celebrate, like you said, let's celebrate the things that we do have in common, which, Marty, as you mentioned, are much more, if you made a list of pros and cons, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the list of things we have in common is much longer than the ones we have that keep us separate. I agree. I believe that. I even think you talk about the shepherds getting along. They got along well with each other, but they were society misfits. You know, I, I did a study last week on the shepherds and they weren't loved or appreciated because they were different. They couldn't check off all the boxes of keeping all the laws. They missed a lot of worship services because their job forced them to be out and there was great division spiritually, religiously in that day. But isn't that amazing that God called those people that were spiritual misfits, called them to be the first to greet the Savior, Jesus Christ, as he was born? It's so true, Maureen. You know, of course, everybody listening is familiar with uh, the idea of revival in what we have experienced uh, walking with Revive Ohio here. But here's the cool thing, Marty. As you think about that, God called the misfits. And uh, mm-hmm. God doesn't just call the misfits, but he calls us all. But the interesting thing, Marty, is the fact that even though he calls the misfits and he's calling us all, it's the misfits sometimes that God uses to get us mm-hmm. all to understand what he's trying to do. Can you talk yes. about that for a second, Marty? Well, you and I ran across uh, somebody that may be classed as one of those kind of people uh, when we were out on one of our spiritual journeys as we were going out to evangelize. And we ran into a man who maybe would be called a misfit by some because he had been wounded. He had been wounded in the life of the church and and religious people kind of turned their nose up against this man. We found out, though, that he wasn't too far off in what he was believing, and he had, he had some great thoughts, and God had been speaking to him and giving him visions about what could happen in Springfield if people would come together. And instead of us raising up our noses as well, we listened and valued him and well, he and I have become pretty good friends since that. And that's amazing, Marty. And I think it's safe to say, I'll call it out. He's uh, in his own silo himself, honestly. Yes. And that yep. independent silo, if you will, is away from the church, although he is a part of the church. He's the body of Christ. Right. So it's a great example, but it's a great example that we can get siloed whether we're in the church or whether we're not in the church per se. 
And really, either way, Marty, it becomes an obstacle. And the recollection of that encounter, like you're just talking about, is the fact that what we've realized is he feels, by his own admission, like he is a misfit or an outcast. If you will, when in fact, Marty, his own witness, if you will, right, if I can use that term witness, his witness has been diminished or there has been obstacles because of this and because of his feelings. And it's not necessarily, Marty, that you and I perceived it because we didn't know him, but he has created an obstacle in and of himself. Yes, he has. He has. But, you know, I think our job is to go out without judgment and be discerning and ask the right questions and listen to people and make them feel valued even if what they're saying is a lie, we need to somehow find a way to make them feel valued, that they've been heard. And I believe that opens the door for so many silos to come crumbling down. Well, and Marty, what it did in this instance that we're talking about is it opened up a door for you to continue building a relationship with this man. Yes. And what I want to mention here also is the fact that we went out and we teach this all the time. I don't mention this a lot on the program, but I think at this juncture, it's worthy of mentioning that we teach people as you go out into your community to love, to listen, to discern, and then finally respond, Marty. And carrying this forward, I think it fits with even this Maybe we're in a silo and we don't realize it, but if we will begin to go out and think about this method, this simple, and Marty, you saw it in action. We went in, we loved on this man, and we listened to what he said, and he poured out his heart to us. I don't know what it was, 30, 45 minutes, something like that straight. Yeah, we were close to an hour in that store. Yes. Yeah. And and then what did we do? We discerned, you know, what God, what the Holy Spirit was saying um, to us in this moment as we're listening. And then literally, Marty, he formulated, God formulated a response then for us. We were able to not only just pray for him, but we were able to pray for his wife. Yes. Who was working there. And again, Marty, uh, they're both, you know, running this particular business together. And yet, if we follow the, because we followed those steps, I believe that God opened up future doors for us to continue this evangelism as a lifestyle. Marty, can you evangelize a believer? I believe we can evangelize. Of course, you you have to understand what evangelism is. It's really bringing people to Jesus, isn't it? And many people who claim to be believers are not properly following. And I think one thing we need to understand is we're called to go out with a message and present a message in hopes to draw people to become followers of Jesus Christ. It goes way beyond a title, doesn't it? It sure does. And Marty, did you notice that the guy never asked us for our title the whole time? Yeah, isn't that something? And I appreciated that, you know, And I believe also titles become silos. And I know very well that I'm in a silo. My church is a part of a a big umbrella called a denomination. And sometimes that silo gets a bad name for itself. And uh, it's people. It's not necessarily our belief system that is bad. But I know that my 
individual church can be looked at as a silo. I know that. And I'm not going to change my belief structure. I believe God has really etched a great system of belief within me, but I'm not going to isolate myself from other people who might have differences to put them in a different silo. I, I believe somehow we need to celebrate who we are, but yet celebrate who other Christian evangelicals are and somehow connect our silos together so that we can come to be unified in the way of leading people to know Jesus Christ. Marty, it's so good. And I don't have any problem with silos either. You know, if you really know anything about a silo, it has a top or a lid and as long as the lid gets blown off, Marty, it's okay, right? Yeah, because that's right. As long right. as the that's people right. can get in and out, not physically, but spiritually, that what's happening on the inside of our silo, as long as that's overflowing, you know, yeah. uh, I'm reminded of Psalm 23. David said, my cup runs over. So you could say my silo runs over, right? As yes. long as the silo is running over, I mean, and spilling out God's love, it's amazing. Marty, I want to take us to a passage of scripture because... We always do this every week as we want to tie the scripture into this. And when I'm thinking about obstacles and what you just shared, Marty led me right into this as usual. But this is out of 1 John chapter 3. And starting in verse 13, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. So Marty, if you go out to evangelize, you really shouldn't be shocked. If you run into an obstacle that the world hates you, I'll tell you this, Marty, when our team came to your city, we had people that we met out in the community that clearly rejected the gospel. Mm -hmm. They didn't necessarily reject us as people. They rejected the gospel. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren, right? He who does not love his brother abides in death. Man, that's pretty harsh. So Marty, if you go, well, hey, you know what? You don't take communion as often as I do. <laughs> you know, if you, it, it, verse 15 continues on, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you mm. know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 17 and, and wrap up with that. This is first John three seventeen. but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So Marty, part of what I guess I want to highlight today and talk about is this kind of thing when we go out to evangelize, you know, it always has this connotation of somebody standing on a soapbox and preaching, but we've learned and we've discussed many weeks that that's not what it's all about. But here it gets just into a little bit deeper, I think, in verse 17, whoever has this world's goods. You know, I have people all the time and they'll tell me, well, I'm not rich. Well, that's a, that's a relative statement, right? According to the rest of the planet, you know, we are in America, mm -hmm. but it says, and sees his brother in need. How does the love of God abide in him if he shuts up his heart? And so Marty going out to love on our neighbor to evangelize is literally loving on our neighbor. Now, does it mean that we're preaching at them to love them? Mm. Not necessarily, right? It says right here, and that's why I'm pointing this out, Marty. So when we talk about obstacles, it's not just churches in what we're calling in their silos. It's lots of things in our own mindset. 
If you're yes. going out to love, Marty, we see this all the time. We go out on teams and we'll find somebody broke down on the side of the road, changing a tire. So what do we do? Well, we just drive by and preach at them. <laughs> no, we, yeah. we pull over, right. And get out and help them change the tire. Right, Marty? Cause That's that right. is right. evangelism. So anything mm-hmm. that was, would be a stumbling block or an obstacle would qualify as a hindrance. My mind's just racing all over the place. When to make this a lifestyle, when we see a person, we see a need. We don't just see a person to preach at. We see a person with a need. So we look at that need. I think Jesus did that real well. He went where the people were and he saw their needs and he offered them something bigger and better, but he helped them through that. I I believe he wants us to be people who serve. Something else that really is what I try to teach and live out before we even present a plan of salvation, we're the Bible, and our lives have to reflect the, the attitude of Christ, the mind of Christ, and the way we love, the way we listen, the way we discern. It, it shows people who Jesus is before we even mention the name Jesus. And I think we need to get a lot better with that attitude and the way we present and the way we, the way we live so that it could open the door for us to be able to think like Jesus and see that need and strive to meet that need and even one up that to share them the great message of Jesus and how he can change their life. You know, it's amazing, Marty. I think about the story of the Good Samaritan and I would say, is that person an evangelist? Was the good Samaritan, you know what I'm saying? It it totally was. If you understand love and if you understand how God wants us to go about our lives, our lifestyle, the good Samaritan was absolutely an evangelist. Marty, I want to take us over to Acts chapter 10. Uh, And this is describing Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So right away, you're like, oh, yeah. Here he was, you know, God in the flesh, and he was performing all these miracles. But here's what it says, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So God was with him, Marty, and the only part that sometimes we glean out of that verse is, you know, the healing power of Jesus. But it just says simply, he went about doing good. Was he an evangelist? He absolutely was, Marty. He was the greatest example that we ever had. But think about that, Marty. Doing good, could that change the face of a community? Oh, absolutely. I think, I really believe that the church has had it wrong. And it's not necessarily their teaching, but it's people that get in the way. And our attitudes get filled with judgment. And not once do I here in scripture that we're to be the judges. That's that's God's job. Our job is to reflect Jesus Christ and his love in a way that draws people to understand there's something different that's worth living for. And if we go in with this sour, terrible, negative attitude, who in the world would want to be a part of that? You know, one thing my wife shared with me this morning, she said, you know, Marty, she, she's such a believer, and she's a, a professional counselor who really leans on Jesus through her counseling, but she really believes in God. But she said, you know, even if it turned out that I just went to dust and nothing else happened, 
I would choose this life and this lifestyle because it has more effect on others than negativity and, and criticism and, and all of those things. She said, it's just a better life. And then include the fact that there is a God and we are living for a purpose that goes way beyond this world and makes it even better. I couldn't amen that any stronger, Marty. I love that because, again, the whole purpose of this program, obviously, is lifestyle evangelism. It's to see how other believers are walking this out in their lifestyle, Marty. It is not that we're just advocating street preaching because your wife is an absolute evangelist every single day right where she she is. Absolutely. Just as you're describing. So, Already, as we often do, um, it's time to start wrapping it up and putting a cherry on top of this program. But for those listening today, our prayer, our desire for you listening today, Marty is the pastor of uh, one of the communities that Revival Ohio is going to be partnering with very soon to have this revival where we, the people, we, the believers, we, the body of Christ, where we go out to start to learn what it looks like to live a lifestyle of evangelism and not just for an event that we have planned out, but more so that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds to the fact that Jesus wants us to be the church. He said in Acts 1.8, he want us to be his witnesses. And so becoming an evangelist as a lifestyle, to learn to love, to learn to listen, to learn to discern, and finally to learn to respond, I think is the key takeaway here. Marty, what else would you say would be a key takeaway that we want the listeners to grab today? Okay. When you talk about lifestyle evangelism, something has to change in your life. I really believe that the only way we can have any effective response in any way is if we become strong pursuers of God, not just checkboxers of checking off this religious list. We need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I'm calling my entire church to a 21-day fast starting in January, and our key verse is in Joel 1.14. Consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. We want to pursue God. We do not want to miss anything that he wants us to be about in these upcoming days, weeks, and months leading into our revived Ohio endeavor. We want to have our eyes wide open, which means we need to learn how to better accept other silos, which means we need to be team players, not just people in our little building, team players. And that's that's what we're doing. We want to make a difference by really being who God is calling us to be. So good, Marty. And I want to double back to the man that we shared about earlier in the episode here. And it was about the title thing. So Marty, what was interesting was, I think if you would have let out with, you know, hey, I'm a pastor of a local church. I think the conversation could have went much different. But here's what I wanted to touch on, because by the end of the conversation, Marty, you then disclosed the fact that you are a local and that you wanted to continue a relationship with the man. 
and that mm-hmm. you were in fact a pastor, local pastor. So you weren't trying to hide it, but here was the cool thing. By that point in the conversation, Marty, he was okay with it. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. And you said, listen, I am. So he knows you are a representative of your particular silo, but you know what? He was okay with it, Marty, because as we loved on him and we listened to him for quite some time, and then we began to discern that he was becoming open to this conversation yes. because we indicated and proved to him that it, we cared for him. Yes. Yes. And as we as did, as a matter of fact, the last time I was in there, he met me with a hug. He embraced me. And uh, I feel like I have a treasure of a new friend. That is precious. And and see, that is all God's doings. And that is what we're describing here, that living a lifestyle of of evangelism is knowing that you're just a conduit for God's love because God Mm -hmm. wants to touch everybody. And we get to be that conduit, Marty. Yes. And I tell you, it's been so good, Marty. uh, Listen, keep your ears and eyes open because I want to have you back. We got a lot more to unpack and I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more as we walk this thing out together that we call revival. So thanks for tuning in again, folks. And next week, we're going to have another special guest. So be sure to grab us again. And we are going to experience another episode of Lifestyle Evangelism. You've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Rise FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at risefmohio.com. The Rise FM Podcast Network.